Welcome to Strong Mind, Strong Body. Today, we are going to talk about balance. Not, li not life balance, but we're going to talk about balance in older adults. And as I'm talking about this, if you're tuning in and watching, you can see my cat balancing on his tree behind me. So we'll see how well that goes. But my name is Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm glad you joined us to talk about enhancing balance in older adult clients. I am not the expert on this, but I do have an expert that I know you're going to really enjoy listening to. His name is Cody Seip, and he is the co-founder of the Functional Aging Institute. And Cody's going to talk to us about advanced strategies and balanced training. So whether you're training yourself or you are a trainer, I know you're going to walk away with a lot of information. So Cody, I'm going to bring you in and have you introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much, Angie. Really appreciate it. So I've been working with older adults for about 30 years now. I've got a master's in clinical exercise physiology and a PhD in health kinesiology. Currently, I'm a professor in a doctoral physical therapy program. I've been here for about 12 years now. But I'm really interested in balance. I've always been very interested in balance. So I've actually gone through a number of kind of advanced training programs uh, for balance enhancement and mobility as well. And so I'm going to share some of that information with you today. Good. I'm going to have to tap your brain on those because I'd like to go through some as well. So, Cody, I know that, you know, I think most trainers would feel safe in saying that they have some really good balanced training strategies. I know that if they went through an NASM certified personal training course and corrective exercise, you get a lot of good strategies on how to work with balance with individuals of all ages. But I know Cody, that when you and I talked, you said, Hey, let's move beyond all of that. And let's talk about corrective exercise that address specific mobility limitations and foot activation techniques, because the truth is balance is different for all of us and it changes all the time. And certain people have limitations where that does impact their balance. I know that I was telling you that I trained an older adult who had really good balance actually. And then last year he got COVID and it seems like it's been a real challenge to maintain and get back to those levels of balance that we once had. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Cody. My first question would be, when you're saying mobility limitations that affect balance, do you want to start there? Yeah, absolutely. And I would agree. I think a lot of trainers have at least a decent understanding of balance and they're employing balance into their programs, especially with their older clients, which is great because I think it's, it's essential that you work on balance uh, as you get older. You know, there are a lot of different components to balance. That's what makes it really kind of complicated. And so having a, a holistic approach to balance training and kind of related to that falls reduction, right? For kind of trying to fall proof yourself. Those things kind of go hand in hand. But kind of beyond this is these are the things that you might want to use with most people. Getting into some of those individualized factors that can really limit a person's uh, not only balance enhancement, but put them at risk of falls or injuries later in life if they don't address it, I think is really important. So when we think about mobility, there are a number of different areas of mobility that really threaten older adults' independence and functionality, and especially in balance. So we always have to start with the ankle, right? That, that's really where it all starts. 
And there's been some good research to show that poor ankle mobility, especially dorsiflexion, limited dorsiflexion, uh, is a risk factor for falling. And it makes sense, right? I mean, if, if you are trying to do something where you're walking and you're having to step up and over something, could be a curb, a step, an object that's in your way, if you don't have really good ankle dorsiflexion, then it's very likely that you're going to catch your toe right on an object and, and trip. But even just in general, having good ankle dorsiflexion is important because that that mobility is driving information to the brain about where your joints are in space. And it's it's signaling right a whole cascade of events of which muscles are activating uh, appropriately. So really having good ankle dorsiflexion starts is kind of the beginning point that when I look at balance issues that are occurring in older adults, and a lot of older adults do have ankle dorsiflexion problems. So typically you just want to screen for this. You know, you can do several different screens that you can use to test for ankle dorsiflexion. And if you find a limitation there, then you, you want to incorporate that into their program. There are two kind of main reasons why somebody might have limited ankle dorsiflexion. It could be that it's just soft tissue, so they need to stretch. And so doing all the basic kind of half stretches and foam rolling and, and those sorts of things are going to work. But then there's other people that have an actual problem in the joint. The joint is supposed to roll and slide in order to pr produce movement. And when you have old injuries and you have scar tissue that's built up, that roll and slide kind of becomes limited. And so you want to try to kind of re-engage a proper roll and slide. So with that, just stretching and stretching and stretching doesn't really help the kind of pathomechanics that's occurring at the level of the joint. So there are some techniques you can use to try to clear that up, such as if you take a heavy band, a super band, put it around the front of the foot, front of the ankle as low as possible because you're trying to get it down on the talus and then have that resistance pulling backwards, then drive your knee forward. That's going to help to open up that uh, kind of kind of help that roll and slide. You're, you're basically providing assistance to get that roll and slide mechanics working again. So doing that and, and not just a regular stretch, but kind of driving your knee forward, returning, driving your knee forward. So kind of cycling through that. And then what happens as you clear up kind of the, the, the mechanical problem that's occurring in the joint, then they're going to start to feel it more in the back of the calf. And now that's when you can add on the stretching, layer that on, because if people have an an a limited ankle over a period of time, then the soft tissue structures are going to shorten, right? They're going to tighten up as well. So that's, that's a really good way to try to kind of get to any sort of ankle mobility limitation they might have. Well, and I'm glad, you know, because truthfully, if they don't have good ankle mobility, what it ends up being instead of a walk, it's more of a shuffle. Yeah. And, um, and two, what I find like with older adults is when it becomes that shuffle, they're looking down instead of up. They're always watching their footing, which almost seems to throw up their balance more, right? Yeah. They, they, they're watching their feet and they don't, and, and we don't realize that we don't walk by watching our feet. Right. And so, um, I'm glad that you gave those examples because I think that that is so true. Is it, it, that whole, that limitation within the ankle that kind of causes a lot of this. Yeah. You also talk about, um, you know, the, the, the mobility issues and then kind of some foot activation techniques. Um, and so do you want to expound on that a little bit too? I know it's kind of hard to explain. I feel like, but I, I think you're doing a good job of kind well, of walking us through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to do it kind of to, to explain it and not actually demonstrate it and, and right. show it. But 
<clears throat> so one of the really good foot activation techniques that I, that I think is really at, at the core, and I, I use this with all my older clients, regardless of whether we're doing balance specific training or strength training, such as in squats and deadlifts, and that's called short foot. The short foot is a very simple technique, but it can be very valuable over the course of time. So most people, they don't use their, their foot very well, right? Their foot is kind of a floppy foot. It's a loose foot. They're not really engaging the ground with their foot. And, and that is, again, the kind of one of the key foundational aspects of, of having good balance and having good function in anything you do. So over time, their, their intrinsic foot muscles get really weak. You know, their arches drop, their feet become flatter. Older adults have all sorts of other foot issues that are going on. But if we just look at this one technique, short foot is very simple. Okay, you're going to find your foot tripod, which is the your heel, the bone just under your first metatarsal, which is your big toe, and then under your fifth metatarsal, which is your pinky toe. Those are your three points of contact. They make a triangle. Have the person find a good balancing point in the middle of those, right? So you're cueing them into feeling those points, feeling their weight shift around those different points on their foot and finding kind of a good balance point in the middle. They then are going to raise their toes off the floor, and this is best done barefoot, spread their toes, and then just grab the floor with their toes. They don't have to think about uh, kind of a max effort here, but what will happen as soon as they grasp the floor, you want to cue them into noticing what's happening in their arch, and they'll feel that arch raise. Right. They'll feel that engagement of those intrinsic foot muscles. And that is essentially short foot. You're teaching them to engage the ground. And again, some good research shows if you do like, let's say, a one leg balance stand and you test people and you just let them do it as they are, are normally going to do it. You don't really cue them. Then you teach them sh short foot and then have them redo the one leg balance stand. Their balance immediately improves because they're improving that foot to ground connection, right? They're, they're becoming more cognizant about what's happening at their foot. So instead of their ankle and their foot wobbling around all over the place and they're kind of all over the place as well, it kind of solidifies their stance position. Mm -hmm. And what also happens too is it, there's kind of a chain reaction from the foot that goes up to help stabilize your, your hips and your pelvis as well. So it's more than just what's happening at your foot. It's that neural connection with your hip as well. Okay. So working on short foot, but also working on, uh, ankle, um, getting the ankle to be more mobile. And mm -hmm. so I like those techniques. Let's go back for a minute, Cody. So let's think about, we're going to assume that trainers have a good foundation of knowledge of working with balance training, but let's, let's assume that it's, we're going to talk to a brand new trainer, or we're going to talk to just a person out there who's interested in getting better balance training. Give us a few tools that we can do other than like you just said, standing on one foot. Um, what are some different ways to challenge balance? Well, there are innumerable ways to challenge balance. The question really uh, becomes, what is it that the person needs to be challenged? And that this is where kind of it becomes a little bit more complicated, where most trainers are just having them do exercises that are difficult to do, right? That's hard to balance. But kind of all of them are requiring typically like center of gravity control, right? Where you kind of reduce your base of support, like going into one leg stand or you stand on something that's unstable and you're trying to control that. And that's really kind of mainly all center of gravity control types of things. But we want to 
really try to implement more dynamic uh, types of balance activities. So things where people are actually moving and changing direction. Uh, we also want to in introduce some multi-sensory aspects to it, which we can talk about here in just a minute about how do we how do we engage the senses appropriately in order to stay balanced. Uh, those that's also important. And then we move that into some more reactive, even fast type of drills. And there are certainly times when you want people to move more slowly because that's going to challenge balance and times when you want them to move more quickly. And that's going to be more of a challenge to their balance as well. So it's kind of difficult to say here, just some exercises that challenge balance because you can you can do it in so many different ways. Yeah, but I like where you're going with this. And I do want to expound on these because there's a huge difference between just telling somebody, OK, stand on one foot. Well, you know, you could be 20 and not be very good at that. You can be 50 and not be very good at that. But how about some of the more dynamic ways of challenging balance? So when you're talking about moving and changing direction, give us an example of that, that you would do with your clients. Yeah. So we will often do things that require a lot of turning or even negotiating. So for example, if you're having, and, and this is all has to be scaled to the person's capability level, right? So with balance, you, you want to challenge their balance. If you don't challenge their balance, if it's not difficult for them to do, it's not going to improve. But at the same time as you want them to have some degree of success, right? You can't just have them fail repeatedly. But with things like if you're uh, doing, let's say, tandem marching. So you're walking in, in kind of a heel to toe pattern, right? Very narrow baby step pattern. But you're having them march at the same time. So they're raising their leg really high. And then you have them turn in different directions based on your command. Right now we're becoming a little bit more dynamic. We could speed that up. We can do something as as simple as kind of a red light, green light game. Where you say, yeah, green light, they've got to take off fast. And then yeah. red light, they've got to stop really fast. Well, that's ultimate dynamic balance control right there. I mean, but your, your whole body is moving forward and you've got to stick that foot in the ground and really stop yourself from falling forward. So somebody that goes boom, 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 that's not a good stop, right? We want them to really stop quickly and we can do that in multiple directions a karaoke a grapevine pattern right where they're crossing you know that's way more dynamic and now we're getting into things that are that play into balance such as just coordination basic motor control right all those are just some very simple ways in which we try to get people moving on the floor in their environment in multiple directions and doing lots of turning at the same time Mm, yep. Where there's hand, you know, where there's coordination, there's patterning as well as being able to maintain balance. So um, because I, I feel like, again, that go to is, oh, stand on one foot. But what about just the adding patterns and being able to cross the body and that type of thing as you're moving? So um, I want to go into the next one. But first, I just want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Cody Seif, and he is the co-founder of the Functional Aging Institute. And this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm Angie Miller. And we are just talking about how do we increase balance? How do we improve balance? Because balance ties into longevity and safety. So Cody, you just went into moving and changing directions. What's another balance strategy that you use that maybe as you go beyond with it? So really kind of going beyond the basics is getting into some multi-sensory training. So you mentioned early, a little bit earlier that, you know, a lot of your older clients will look down at their feet. And so the visual kind of um, uh, system is really important for balance. We have visual 
vestibular, and we have what we call somatosensory, which is kind of a, a very broad kind of collection of things like touch and joint position sense and movement sense and those sorts of things. So with visual, we, we, we can train the visual system to work better and more efficiently. Unfortunately, a lot of older adults become very visually dependent, and that's why they're always looking at their feet, right? They need that visual feedback to tell them where their feet are. So we want to reduce that visual dependency, but also train them to use their vision better. So it would be something like, all right, I'm going to look straight ahead and I'm going to find an object on the wall. And that's what I'm going to focus on. So it's that same idea of spotting that you that that dancers will use right when they're spinning. Find that spot, focus on it. And now we're going to do some different balance related, either static or dynamic balance tasks. So whenever we're doing gate drills, I always cue people, you know, eyes up, eyes up, eyes up in order for them to keep their vision looking straight ahead and not looking down at their feet. If we introduce a new skill, something they've never done before, I'll let them look at their feet, you know, so they get comfortable with it. But eventually we're trying to break that visual dependence, have them use more of their peripheral vision cues in order to help them with their balance. So we want to train that. And that could also then be doing things like doing eye movement, right? So looking right and left or up and down or adding head movement with vision changes. So one of the skills that we will often introduce that does require so a, a fair amount of, of, of really good visual input is walking with head turns. So when you take a step forward with your right foot, you look to the right. When you step forward with your left foot, you look to the left and you continue that very coordinated tick-tock movement. That's just one way to do that exercise. But that requires a different visual cueing because I'm looking over in this direction, but I'm walking in this direction, right? So I'm having to use a little bit more of my peripheral vision in order to help me maintain that straight walking. So the visual system is one. The vestibular system is the other. That's our inner ear system. And we see that about some of the data is showing that about 70% of all older adults over the age of 70 have some level of vestibular dysfunction. Now, if it becomes clinical, then that's vertigo, right? People are, are, are dizzy, but it's kind of subclinical. Um, vestibular dysfunction means that if I'm in a low light situation or if I'm in a situation where I can't really feel my feet as well, people with neuropathy as an example, then they have to rely on their vestibular system to tell them where their head is in space. And so again, we can do things to promote the vestibular system, which is always kind of running in the background, but then we want to take away the visual cueing or reduce it as much as possible and then take away the somatosensory cueing or as much as possible. So that would be things like standing on two foam pads and closing your eyes. Mm. So you don't have your visual cueing, your somatosensory cueing is much lower and now you're relying a lot on your vestibular system. So doing things in that type of environment or doing things that require rapid head, head movement. So in vestibular retraining, as an example, if you go to a, 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 a somebody to, to actually work on your vertigo, as an example, they're going to have you sitting in a chair doing rapid head turning cycles, right? You're going to be going one, two, three, right? Or up and down because that's stimulating the vestibular system. I don't know about you, Angie, as I've gotten older, I know I've got vestibular issues because now 
Roller coasters are not nearly as fun as they used to be anymore. Getting on a swing set is not as fun. I used to be able to spin the kids around in circles for days. I do it one time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to throw up. That's a vestibular system. Right? I was literally just thinking about that. I was, yeah, I was thinking I took a, um, I took a, um, a pole dancing fitness class. And right away I was like, oh, new level of respect for what yes. it takes to spin around in circles. Um, but, you know, and one of the things that I tell older adults too, and just all clients in general is imagine riding a bike. If you're looking down at the ground, you're going to hit a parked car or something else. You have to be looking ahead. And so it's kind of that analogy too, of like getting them to kind of pay attention to what they're paying attention to. Yeah. But I like your ideas of of, of using the head movement with a walking and, and engaging different um, engaging in different ways of doing balance training versus the ways that everyone thinks of standing on the phone pads, closing your eyes. Um, those are very good ones. Is there, I think there was a third one that you had mentioned earlier. Did I miss it or did I give you the chance to go on into that one? Well, the last one is just that somatosensory area, right? That's kind of stimulating the feeling of the ground uh kind of in your in your foot especially because we're we're standing most of the time so that's the most important so in that scenario you want to maximize kind of the somatosensory input or the feeling at your foot level but but try to reduce or your visual input or engage your eyes what we can try to separate those out and that's typically how we start is we we try to do some things that separate those out and work on them a little bit, see how well they perform. But ultimately, if you if you want to move forward and really enhance your balance, you want to think about sensory integration. How can I combine multiple areas simultaneously? And I really like uh, Emily Splickle, Splickle, who's a podiatrist with the Evidence-Based Fitness Academy and now Deboso Technologies. She refers to it as sensory stacking. And I really love that as a term. Because now instead of thinking about separating these things out, we're thinking about combining them. So as an example, Naboso has a textured board that is a balance board and it just stands on two foam pads. So there's kind of some what they call micro wobble to it. But now you're really uh, kind of maximizing that somatosensory input. And so if you do a one-legged stand while you're on that little mini wobble board with the somatosensory input, and then you layer in some head movement, right? Now you're, you're stimulating all those senses. They're all having to work together and your brain is having to then uh, kind of make adjustments appropriately based on all that input. So we, we kind of start off separating and then we really want to integrate or then stack those systems on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting because I just visited her booth at a recent conference and I got the socks that give you the stimulation. And so, yeah, it's it. there's so much out there now that goes well and beyond what we thought of as kind of traditional balance training. And so um, I, I like that so far we've covered the mobility limitations of the ankle. We've also talked about foot activation techniques. And then we've talked about maybe more basic ways of training balance. But uh, to your point of being able to stack or layer those that stimuli so that <clears throat> the brain and the body are fully integrated into the experience. Is there anything else when it comes to balance, whether it's a trainer training somebody 
or somebody just listening in and they're thinking in terms of balance, is there anything else that you would want people to know that you think would enhance balance or be good information as a takeaway? Yeah. So kind of actually going back all the way to the mobility aspects, um, there, there are a lot of postural issues that older adults tend to face. And those postural issues can really have a big impact on a person's balance and fall risk as well. So when we think about mobility, I usually try to address thoracic mobility as well, because that's where, you know, people get that forward stooped posture and they're kind of hunched over like this. And that actually cha changes their center of gravity. And of course, so for many people, that pushes their center of gravity forward to where they're almost on their toes all the time. And if you've noticed somebody um, who they don't really walk forward, it's almost like they're falling forward and their feet are catching up. A lot of those individuals are already, their center of gravity is shifted so far forward because of their poor posture. So we're trying to kind of do some postural retraining and working on thoracic mobility uh, tends to, to be a, a big factor in, in their ability to maintain good posture. So always, if you see somebody that is already starting off in what we might consider a posturally compromised situation and you're working on balance, that's, that's an area that you really need to address. I'm really glad you brought that up because if you are with older adults enough, you see that a lot. Mm -hmm. And that was a perfect description of it's almost like they're they're coming into the room, but their feet are behind them. And yeah. um, it's almost like working with pregnant women as well. Your center of gravity changes. Well, as you get older, if you get that forward folded posture, that is going to shift your center of gravity. And so, but it's not just posture and balance, it's posture and breathing, because it's really hard to breathe well if your posture is compromised. And if you're not breathing well and you have poor posture, your balance is obviously going to be affected. So all those things go hand in hand. I think that getting higher level training when it comes to balance is really essential if you're working with older adults personally. Yeah, I, I agree that I've been through a number of different types of programs and, and it's just every, every time, you know, I'm learning something new about kind of balance strategies and how to be effective. And so if you look at a, one, a, one program that's really good at addressing kind of those big things, those big components is fall proof. That's a great program. They've got a good book that, that that program has been out for a while, but that's a good one where you can see the different components and how they feed in. There's also some good examples of done for you programs that are evidence based. The Otago exercise program is one that's out of New Zealand. A lot of research done on that. And so if you're working with lower functioning individuals and you're trying to kind of figure out, well, what do I do with these people? That's a good program. You can literally get certified very easily in it online take it off the shelf and then start to implement it. And it's a system, right? You have kind of level one, two, three, and four exercises. And as they, you know, master one, you move on to the next. And so that's a great way to learn about some of the more basic elements or components that are important in balance training. But I agree, you need to go beyond that. And when we look at the growth of the older adult population, and we look at the projections of the number of falls that people are, are going to experience over the next several decades, uh, it's it's almost at epidemic level proportions if that actually plays out. And one of the reasons is not only do we have a lot of more older adults that are that uh, in our population every year, but the number of older old adults, that 85 plus population is growing rapidly. 
And most of those individuals are at really high risk of injurious falls. Right. Well, and that, that is, that ties into longevity. So, um, Cody, if people want to reach you, how can they reach you? If they have any questions about balance training or working with older clients, how can they reach you? So you can go to our website, functionalaginginstitute.com, and you can also email us at contact at functionalaginginstitute.com, and you can earmark that message for me, and, and it'll be sent directly to me as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you to all of you listening to Strong Mind, Strong Body. I really appreciate you tuning into this episode. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go back and have a listen a second time because I feel like Cody gave so much really good sound information. So thanks to all the Strong Mind, Strong Body listeners. I will see you next week. Yeah.